Hi, and welcome to Song Divers, an interview podcast about singer-songwriters. We like to go deep in conversation with our favorite musicians in search of honest answers. What are the ingredients of a great song? What makes a songwriter tick? Can a musician make a living these days? Is Jason Isbell overrated? What? My name is Stefan. And this is Ed. And you're going to love this episode with the Simon and Garfunkel of Pop Funk. If Simon and Garfunkel were metrosexuals with a sense of humor. But first, a quick look into the not-too-distant future to get you excited about our upcoming episodes. Those include guests Lydia Luce, Cave McCoy of Grey Market, and Andrew Duhon, just to name a few. For our local listeners, a few Song Divers-related concerts to put on the calendar... Andrew Duhan and Lydia Luce co-headlining a tour, and they'll be here in Clearwater April 7th at Ruth Eckerd Hall's Murray Theater. And Ed and I will be performing April 13th as part of the Hideaway Cafe's 10-year anniversary festival here in St. Petersburg. Ed with his band, and then later with me and Mercy McCoy. Also check out Ronnie Elliott with special guest Rebecca Pulley at Hideaway Cafe in downtown St. Pete on April 20th. We hope to see you at those shows. And we would love to say hi if you've been enjoying the podcast. Now, where were we? Ah, right. Our guest. Hi. Hey, well, we're Alex and Danny. Well, more Danny and Alex, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. listening to friends kiss 2 by danny and alex if you've never seen their video for this song just picture two glamour boys on the beach decked out inappropriately in turtlenecks and members only jackets while a 50s style beach party is about to break out around them guys are prodigies and they know it killer musicians for any age a great pair of songwriters and budding media moguls their stage persona includes turtleneck cockiness and a hilariously dry sense of humor which works well because in reality they're humble sharp and self-deprecating in addition to a fresh four song ep the duo is amassing a notable following on instagram and once you spend time with them you'll understand why so uh where are you guys from uh, right here, about six blocks away. Born Saint and Pete. raised St. Pete. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, how old are you guys? We're both double twos, 22. 22. Mm-hmm. Really? He's he's a little, he's like six months older than me, but yeah. we're both. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed you guys spot. were 15 or... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, get, we get 14. We get that a lot. Yeah. I'm lying. I, I actually thought you guys were a little bit older. Oh, uh, that's good. It, mostly because of your musical prowess. You guys are really talented players. Thank Ed you. Ed taught us everything we know. Well, I, I taught you one thing. Yeah, he taught yeah. me one thing. One thing. And do you wasn't still even, know it? Wasn't even music related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been trying to unlearn it ever since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you guys grew up in this area. How long have you guys been playing music? I started when I was about five, mm-hmm. maybe four, on the cusp of five. Okay. And and guitar? Like no, I started with drums. Really? Yeah. And then moseyed my way into guitar, guitar first. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> then a little bass, then a little keys, and now harp. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's like a mini Todd Rundgren. Okay. When yeah. I met him, he was like, you know, double tracking all of his own shit. And he, he didn't need me, but he took yeah. me under his wing. Yeah. I started playing uh, classical music when I was like. The make a wish like thing. Like eight or nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like eight or Big nine. Brothers, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, um, and, and lessons? Like, did either of you guys take lessons? Yeah, I took classical lessons over okay. at over at Bringy. Okay. And then we met at a John Hopkins Middle School. We were in the piano magnet program, whatever that mm-hmm. was. And, um, yeah, he, he. I didn't like him at first because he's, you know, just look at him. He's, real, co- he's real cocky yeah, and everything. Yeah, we're gonna Absolutely. make this a quick interview. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I was really into like Lincoln Park and all that kind of thing. And um, he's he he like learns by ear. He's got perfect pitch. So I'd be like sitting across the room playing, dun, 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 dun. and then I'd hear it echo back, and I'd be looking around the room like, who the hell's playing that, man? Yeah. I thought I thought I was the best keyboard player in class. I play it kind of messed up though, just like to to mess with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old um, were you guys? At 12. 12? 13. Yeah, I think I was 13. And I actually got an F in piano because we were, we rebelled against the teacher because they oh, wanted to make us read. Yeah. <laughs> he made me cry one time. Yeah. I almost got a referral because I stood up. He was a tuba player. He wasn't a real piano player. Cried because he, he almost got a referral. <laughs> I almost got a referral. I told him that he was a tuba player and he'd never be anything more. And I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, it was, it was really something. He stood yeah. up. Yeah. The, the guy was yelling at Alex, and yeah. he, Alex stood up and said, "You're just a tuba player, and that's all you'll ever be." Oh, and he wow. ran out of the room. Yeah. And I ran after him, and he was crying in the bathroom. Yeah. I'm already wondering who's going to play each of you in a movie. <laughs> and that scene, especially because you know, like older mm. people play younger people now. It's like yeah. you know, 26 year olds are playing high school kids. Yeah. And so someone with like he's got stubble already, just like, really laying in <laughs> exactly. That, you know, mm-hmm. that was a pivotal moment in our in our history. I think mm. so. You guys were friends, and were you doing music together at that time? Pretty you much, just, yeah. You just yeah. immediately, yeah. yeah, just terrorizing this guy together, and that was a Absolutely. bonding experience. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did you guys bond over same likes in music? Yeah, he had. He was always listening to oldies. He kind of turned me on to those. Yeah, the good my stuff. family made me like. You know, it was like Chinese water torture, but with like seventies music. They mm-hmm. just kept it on over and over again. Mm-hmm. When I was like, wait, my dad raised you too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was like. 10 or 11 my dad was like showing me frank zappa and steely dan and like just all kinds of crazy shit so let's talk about your dad just for a second because he was a musician yeah yeah he was uh, a bass player yeah Mm -hmm. so and a guitar player somewhat right so did he actually work with you on music or did you just kind of soak up your he was always trying to get me to like play sports i don't think he wanted me to be a musician (laughs) he's always getting me to do crazy shit like uh karate and dirt bike racing all kinds of stuff but um you know i would used to hang out with him and his like dad bands playing in bars yeah i just thought that was dope i thought it was cool did he have the the i know you had the detached yeah that came later okay yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. we always had like a music room like a designated a designated room with just a bunch of instruments well you told me that he never pushed you to record or write songs oh no i just wanted to do it because it looked like fun yeah i mean that's like all that was important in our family is like comedy and music everything else does not matter. That ex- that explains. That's a lot. why he's got yeah. shitty morals. <laughs> That's why I have no moral compass. I'm just mm-hmm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean that. So you know, going to school and like everybody was listening to at the time, it was like Eminem and like all kinds of stuff, and I just hated it. Like mm-hmm. now, I like it. But you know, I was bringing a cassette player with like the Who's Greatest Hits and like you know that shit. So when I met him and he was playing Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. I was like. I hated him at first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, it's understandable. It yeah. is. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't blame you. One bit. But he, you know, 
I I I was like still being taught this stuff, and my dad kind of showed him all the stuff too. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask, so what was your musical upbringing, and what was your excuse for liking Lincoln Park? Yeah, that's a good. Question. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just gonna address the uh, elephant in the room. Yeah, uh, Brian Merrill's my uncle. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna yes. put that out there. Yes, that's how I initially met you. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners know who Brian is from Barely mm-hmm. Pink and. The ditch flowers and so forth, but also your dad mm-hmm. and your mother are both music yep. musicians. Yeah, pretty much um, everybody. Yeah, and my grandfather played piano. He got me into playing piano. So. Very musical family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my so. dad was a bass player. Yeah, seems like everybody's dad is a bass player. Yeah. So you're 12 or 13 when you met, mm-hmm. and you're taking piano class at John Hopkins Middle School, and it seems like very shortly after that we were playing together on a couple shows. Yeah. Like, you, we did I couldn't. The George Harrison thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like were you fourteen or something? Yeah, we were a little bit older then. I think we were like early high school then. Yeah, but yeah, it was probably just just a few years after we met. Right. Yeah. So, because Brian, uh, your uncle, and I were in a band, the Ditch Flowers, and we were mm-hmm. doing shows. And I remember Brian. We our keyboard player couldn't do this George Harrison tribute show mm-hmm. that we were doing, and I'm like, who can we get on keyboards? And Brian kept saying, Well, my nephew's really good, and I'm mm-hmm. like. Focus, Brian. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need a keyboard player, and he we kept need real solutions, Brian. And no. it was getting close to time to really. We had to rehearse and mm-hmm. get get ready. And he's like, like, my nephew, like, my, my dog is a good false. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, I'm like, so your nephew's how old? Is 14 or 15? I'm like, okay, well, you know, if he's. Mm. And I couldn't like you were better than any keyboard player we <laughs> we had ever played with, you know. I was like, okay, we'll give him the easy parts. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. 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 But anyway, that was a fun show. I will, yeah, somehow I great. got roped into that. I don't know how I. Well, we did too, right? We did. We did all things must pass, and then we did uh, revolver and rubber soul. That's I didn't true. do that That's one. Right. I did just all things, all things must yeah. pass. Yeah. yeah. So I need to ask the question then. In terms of talent level, in that time, you guys are twelve, thirteen, meaning playing like. Are there other good musicians around you that are your age? Are you guys both kind of figuring out quickly, like, we're pretty decent compared to the other No, we knew pretty uh, pretty early on that we're just the best well, musicians that have ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> but we were always looking, man. We were always looking for, like, a drummer who was our age. And it was it was tough. I mean, we, we found there's there's definitely a few people around here that are really good. Mm-hmm. But Nobody took it seriously at that time. And yeah. still don't, really. There's still mm-hmm. very few people who take it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, well, which is funny to hear you guys say, considering the persona that you guys have in terms of taking it seriously. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. my my you know my musical friends when I'll show you your stuff to them they're like holy shit these guys can play you yeah. know and like and the songs are catchy as hell certainly there's a little tongue in cheek to them but mm-hmm. but my friends that are non musical they you know they're like oh these guys are funny you know I'm like yeah. no no they're not I mean like yes it's fu- you don't get it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we love anything you have to get so <laughs> right certainly. So that's so that's an interesting thing too because um, I'm not that much older than you guys and I. Again, I'm not Django Reinhardt. Well, when you're a level enough of a musician trying to find other people that can be a part of it, and, and even if you do, then like just find people you can stand to be around. Yeah, yeah that's another huge I mean, part of it. So you guys are Danny and Alex. For the most part, you're doing stuff as a duo, but mm-hmm. when you guys play live, I just I play GMF. Um, I've seen you a few other times. You guys are playing with a band. GMF stands for Gasparilla Music Gasparilla Festival. Gasparilla Music Festival, yes. Yeah, which we're lucky to have here in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, talk about that a little bit. Talk about well, that we kind feel, of evolution of finding other musicians and, and what that's been like. We feel very lucky to be playing with those two. I mean, oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, they were excellent. If we would have met them, you know, back then, I mean, they mm-hmm. they're they're younger than us. They're like eighteen, nineteen. 
Mm. What what's your drummer's name? Uh, Natalie Deepergola. And then on bass we got Sebastian Siaka. He's and those he's two crazy. Just... Well, the goal was always to find someone who was better than Danny on that instrument cuz yeah. like, you know, he's his main thing is guitar and like keys and vocals, but he's you know, he's a mean bass player, mean yeah. drummer. He can do it pretty I feel him when I have to. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, he's the... like a good bass line level, yeah. but we wanted to find someone who was like actually yeah, a bass exactly. player, actually a drummer. And they're you know? much better than me at those yeah. instruments. So like, that's... like any good CEO, right? You find yeah. people better at their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're, I mean, Sebastian is like, I love real bass players like who actually yeah. care about bass and like care about like tone and like, mm-hmm. that's just insane to find where it's not just a guitar player who has picked up a bass. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different thing. Well, it's funny to say, too, where you're like, we want to find someone who's better than Danny on bass, when usually the bass player is like the worst guitar player in the band. Yeah, Nobody exactly. wants to be in the band. <laughs> yeah. you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which was me several times. <laughs> so I, how I know that. So how did you find them? How did you find these these other two? Well, he's played in bands with both of them. Yeah, I played in a band um, called Moreau. Have you heard of them? It was like a couple years ago, and I think no. anymore. But, um, I've heard of it's Garden Party, right? Garden Club. Garden Club. Yeah, Garden I played Club. in Garden Club, too, and Natalie, was the, that was kind of her project. She was yeah. the drummer in that band. And I met Sebastian through Moreau, and I just, I just knew that I had to have him in the band, man, because they're killer. They're mm-hmm. so good. Uh, so, Dan, are you? Do you do anything else outside no, of this? No, I can't stand other people's music, so I just play ours. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I gig on the weekends with singers and stuff. Yeah, play the hard rock and all mm-hmm. that thing. Mm-hmm. I like the way Danny's looking at you right now when you say that. He's kind of like, yeah, you would. So it's because I have to. He doesn't have to. He can sit around. And yeah, and no, I just sit around and do nothing. In terms of you guys getting this project going, like you guys have been playing together, you guys also have, I would say, a unique to people your age, unique taste in music too. So when I saw yeah. you guys covered Prince and you covered yeah. Peter Gabriel, yeah. So yeah. talk a little bit about that, because you know, in terms of musical influence and what you guys bonded over musically and what you guys enjoy mm-hmm. covering, because that generally leads into. How you guys start to write, which we'll get yeah, into. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It would always be like, we'd always go through phases. Like when we first met in middle school, like the Beatles. Then we moved on to Queen. Then we moved on we to We had Tom a big Ryan. Doors phase. Big Doors phase. Yeah, got that stuff out of the way early on. Yeah. I never listened to it again because I'm sick of it. But, yeah. Um, and we we just are at the tail end of tail a end very of long Prince phase. Prince phase. We got into the it's time. It's at least Sheila E. All that years. stuff. Yeah. Well, That's, in your videos, you got the was it like the purplish blue guitar too, mm-hmm. and I've seen the strats start to come in more. So yeah. I noticed your Prince phase starting to yeah, taper off. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's funny. You're talking about the the phases because I, another show we did together, we were doing a, a Beatles tribute show mm-hmm. or a John Lennon show, and you guys asked me to sit in with you. Oh yeah, we oh, did yeah. that free as a bird. Yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah. about. And that. I came to the practice space mm-hmm. to run through the tunes and we spent like 20 minutes on the john lennon songs and then jammed for an hour and a half on led zeppelin yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's like yeah. that these been... guys just do like whatever they're doing they do what they want to do yeah. like our mm-hmm. focus is on led zeppelin right now yeah you know yeah. so yeah that sounds about right <laughs> so you went through the the led zeppelin phase that's well but... that's really what got me into music is my dad had this uh live dvd of led zeppelin from 1970 1973 you know the good years mm-hmm. and um there's this one video of jimmy page playing since i've been loving you mm-hmm. and he's just yeah. ripping it and i watched that so many times and that's just the one thing that made me want to do that because he just looked dope he just looked he's just mm-hmm. ripping a les paul yeah at madison, madison square, square garden, garden yeah. yeah i mean uh, that is rock and roll in college, that's, you know? he's in a dragon suit i mean come on yeah, yeah. Alex, what about you 
as far as in terms of like you know he's talking about what he saw like really made you want to do this and you guys are pursuing this Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and certainly professionals currently did you have that same like something you saw like this is the trigger thing or the catalyst or is it just kind of gradual um Lawrence Welk for you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lawrence Welk. I've, I've heard so many stories of me marching around with the baton and diapers <laughs> listening to Lawrence Welk. And that was last week. Yeah, that was last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. um, I think it was more of a gradual thing because um, just kind of growing up in it and just being around it and just seeing like, you know, Danny was recording all those multi-track stuff over at Zen and I was like, that's awesome. And then I, I went over to Brian, wrote my own songs, then had Danny come play on my stuff and just we were always kind of competing and then figured out that it was better if we just joined joined forces and did what we were best at mm-hmm. so I, I don't think i had a kind of come to jesus moment like that it was more just gradual so we're we're talking about um i'm just going to clarify zen recording studio mm-hmm. in pinellas park where yeah. steve, steve Connolly's the engineer and steve so Connolly is runs through our history oh, yeah. too he's yeah. well, all four of us he's oh, yeah. been he's been like our mentor musical guru mm-hmm. and you know He's given us a lot of recording philosophy advice. Oh, yeah. You know, not even so much technical recording stuff. Mm-hmm. He's done that too, but like, he just, doesn't technically really like what we're doing now. No, but you know, no, he hates our music, but um, <laughs> but it's okay because we take the philosophy. From, <laughs> yeah, he know. just kind of. But it's a compliment if Steve hates something you're doing. That's a compliment. Yeah, that means he actually listened to it and he's digesting yeah, yeah. it. You know. Yeah. He likes it like if he's heard it a lot. Like if, if we keep playing it for him, he'll be like, yeah, it's all right. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first song we did, 4-4, uh, he really likes that one because we did live drums. And like yeah. when we recorded that, we actually got a live take rather than just, you know, programming drums mm-hmm. and all that stuff. He mm-hmm. liked that a lot. Well, how about if you guys play that one?
så det är också Band, we were finishing up some tracks. I remember you guys would come in, you had the session after us usually. So we'd like cross paths, and Steve would be like, Gotta hear these guys, yeah, yeah, good yeah. players, <laughs> you know. Um, but but yeah, he certainly would go through these phases where we do something he liked it the week before. The next week, he'd come in, he's like, Don't listen to me, I'm listening to trash right now, but I really <laughs> like it. I just like we're a bunch of f-ed up, shit. yeah, you know. And I'm like, Well, is that what we should be doing, you know? Because you do kind of trust him implicitly because I was saying earlier, he's this musical Dumbledore, yes, you know? he really is. And he won't give you a straight answer either, he'll kind of like lead you into what he thinks you should, you know, he'll tell well, you, he'll tell you some kind of thing that you'll realize like a week later, like, Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's what he like. also spins so deep into whatever he's doing yeah. that he'll be into that like and he's such a open-minded nice guy for all that all of his experience and everything oh, yeah. i'm always surprised like yeah i had a band in and you know they just picked up the instruments their dad bought them for him an hour before the session and mm. they're pretty good yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. kind of cool yeah. is an optimist yeah steve yeah. finds something good in everything he yes, does he does which is yeah. great yeah. he really taught us that like you know music recording is just about like getting some kind of feeling across like just like trying to get a moment even if you don't record, you know, live, it's got to feel like a mm-hmm. moment. You know, it's mm-hmm. got to feel like something happened mm-hmm. and it's and you captured something. But we would drive him crazy because we were always like referencing Steely Dan. Shouldn't it be like, man, how do we get those Asia drums or just that kind of thing? Yeah. And he's like, it doesn't f-ing matter, man. Yeah. <laughs> the emotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't yeah. give a shit. That's funny you should yeah. mention that, though. I was in there doing a session on one of my own songs and... I loved the snare sound. It was this real tight kind of 70s. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, snare, that's the snare sound I, I want. Like, yeah. remember that snare sound. And you had tuned yeah. the, the drums. And I thought, oh, that yeah. explains it. Yeah. You know, it, it took that. That was a big. Uh, we spent of, a long time on that snare. <laughs> yeah, that was a big uh, realization when we yeah. like, realized that, like, live drums can sound good right? if yeah. you just work on it and EQ it right and muffle yeah. it. Because we were always looking for that, like, tight, like, Isley Brothers. It was a real crisp, kind of tight, you know, snare Mm -hmm. sound. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're going for, but in general, I would Mm -hmm. say that live drum sound, even if you you had a, you know, a track and you, or a loop and you go match it on the drums, that live sound, if done right, like, it is so much about that imperfection or the the non perfection of something that feels Mm -hmm. real or right or good. Yeah, it's almost like a face that's too symmetrical. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially with Dawes too, because I mean, you can just zoom in all the way to like milliseconds and just put everything on time. But and we kind of went through a phase where like everything live that we'd record, we would just like quantize everything and tune everything way too much to the point where we'd take the life out of it and it sounded weird. Oh, yeah. And we'd send it to Steve and he'd be like, oh, some kind of comb filtering on the vocal. It <laughs> sound good. And he was right. It sounded it's a muffled. Sounds whack. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're through that phase. We're through. Trying yeah, to, we're through. I that, think we're yeah. at a good midpoint now, where we where things are in time, but they're not too in time. Yeah, you know? we yeah. just yeah, because we'll do program drums, but then we'll do live bass instead of like synth bass. Because we used to do like synth bass and all these like MIDI instruments and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you now, like, what's what's your recording process now? Where are you recording this? The latest stuff we've got a studio doing. over in uh, Gulfport. Yeah, okay, that we kind of put together, and it's 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 pretty basic. I mean, we've just got a piano in there, some keyboards, drum set. Um, guitar, bass, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, uh, I love talking about this. I got a, a vintage drum machine from the. It was like 1982 or something like that. It was, it's a sequential circuits drum tracks, mm-hmm. and we sampled it and mixed it and made it sound really good. And we used those drums on everything. Every okay. single song yeah, we used right. those drums. I was going to ask you about the drums because mm-hmm. I know Natalie's really good. But I, and I she played on a four four one of our songs. Mm-hmm. That was a live okay. take with her. Then we just got lazy though because it's yeah, hard, hard to make drums sound good. <laughs> they just sound great right out of the you know yeah. just right. you just you know it's yeah. it's, just, it's the sound that we want to because we're always trying to make live drums sound almost fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So it was easier to get a good sounding fake thing and then put some room around it and kind of mix that. And we'll do like live hi hats and overdubs and stuff on the toms and mm-hmm. kind of helps. But yeah, now we do uh, everything. We, uh, you know, mixing right yourself there, too and all mixing, that. mastering, yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the stuff sounds really good. I mean, just that's just a straight compliment. I mean, Thanks. it's it's all there is a polish to it. Yeah. But to your point about, you know, mixing that drum sound, but then a live bass take, like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound robotic. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. But we always go. We always aim for Steely Dan we do, quality. Yeah. That's always the goal. You know, that's to us like Asia, that whole record, and like uh, the yeah. Nightfly. Gaucho is too polished, though. Yeah. Well, even the, even the Dan got to that point where they they said they went past perfection and they did something that was so well mixed and so well recorded that it sounded like nothing. Right. So they canned the song. Yeah. Well, and and like, I remember reading about some of those sessions. They spend like. Oh, two days just miking the drums and just you know mm-hmm. like oh they, i've heard they spent i heard donald spent two weeks on the delay settings on a vocal every just variation like, of the yeah. delay yeah they did just hundreds of different mixes and just like they, they had all those like old vintage synths and like they were going out of tune so he threw it out the window <laughs> <laughs> I love shit like that. Well, and and they made one of the first drum machines too because yeah. they're working with Roger Nichols and Donald and I guess Walter too were, were pissed off because the timing wasn't exact. So he turns to Roger and he's like, "Why can't you just make a fucking machine to do this?" And he, he came back hundred thousand dollars later and had the Wendell drum machine. Just one of the first drum machines. So you guys are talking about Silly Dan right now, and I'm assuming you guys had friends that would come out and see your shows. Like, mm. were you playing, you know, as you started to play together? Yeah, and, that's yeah. what was funny. We well, were... I was going to say, like, are they all confused about, like, what the hell is this stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Or yeah. did they think it was kind of cool? I don't know, because we'd have girls from our school come out Young and, like, check girls. us out. And they'd be like, mm, this We'd is, be playing this FM nice. by Steely Dan. <laughs> and I don't know what they... And we'd be playing our originals, which were, like, basically knockoffs of we, the doors. We'd like, probably be a lot further if we catered to them, you know? I'm sure they thought we were insane. <laughs> like, they didn't yeah. understand. You start to realize your friend's parents are the ones that are coming yeah that's exactly, exactly that's exactly what it was we played at this place over in haynes road it's not there anymore but it was called crabby q and uh my grandfather booked the show and he'd make little flyers and <laughs> i'd hand them out like come see sound parlor live at crabby q they're really you know? good you're gonna love them that's a great place yeah so it was a bit embarrassing yeah but they actually came out and we had some I don't, know, I don't know why. I, don't, I, really... I think they were more just like uh, intrigued. Like, what are these two like, idiots doing? What the doing? hell are they doing? Yeah. <laughs>
let's talk more about the the writing process and, yeah. and recording and stuff. So mm-hmm. you, you guys have a backlog of stuff you're working on? Oh, yeah. Like, We've got 40 or 50 songs to get to. Most, yeah. most of the songs we're doing right now are already like, I don't know, eight years old. Okay. Eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Like we're we're working on one called NC Seventeen right now that we wrote. we were like twelve eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. I we, can. We, we were coming up with those chord progressions. NC Seventeen is at least three years old. Yeah, because I oh, remember yeah. you guys asked me to do a, some little yeah. graphic like a neon. exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Those those okay. are at least four four years They're old. Yeah. They're old. So you, you guys put out a EP with four four tunes on it. Yeah, yeah. But most of those songs are old too. Fifty tunes. How come the four song EP? Just are you guys just perfectionists? Yeah, we've been getting faster. Yeah, it, it took a long time to get to the point where we liked what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think like, I feel like we're finally there. So that EP that was when we first got the studio, which we is were, great by the way. It's really really enjoyable. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah, we were doing new um, production techniques and stuff like that, and we just uh, got better at mixing too. Because we would always argue about like, oh man, we need to hire a producer. Oh man, we need to spend a grand on a really good mixer. Yeah. And then we just realized you can just do it all yourself. You know? Yeah, if you just lock yourself in a room for a good three years, you can learn yeah. pretty much anything. It took a long time to get to that point. We spent at least four years just not doing anything but mm-hmm. going to the studio. And we were trying terrible at it. Yeah, producing really horrible it. stuff. And it just sounded like ass all mm-hmm. the time. And then Which some people might like. Yeah, no, yeah that's in that's right, right now. Yeah. But Steve liked it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's an ass guy. I've always said that about yeah. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> And then I don't know what happened. We just kind of clicked at one point where we started liking what it sounded like. I think the thing that clicked the most was that it has to sound good when you first record it. Yeah. That's what really changed it for us. Because yeah. we would record just horrible shit mm-hmm. and spend six months trying to mix yeah, it. You can't EQ, you know, turd. You know, no. Exactly. And that's what, I mean, it's, you know, Steve would often say that. He's like, look, mm-hmm. I can only do so much. You have to play yeah. well, mm-hmm. you know, if you want it to sound really good. You so know? come back mm-hmm. in 13 years. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, so I don't know if you guys have you know heard of the the 10,000 hours yeah yeah you yeah. know and so it's but it's interesting that you guys say that where it's I think a lot of people probably have that I don't know what your experience was with that too because you sort of self-taught and then went and taught yourself to read and stuff like that later on but I remember that time when it clicked you know or like you know Neo seeing the matrix you know yeah. he finally gets it but yeah. yeah it is almost like that 10,000 hours piece but it's four hours in the studio and then all of a sudden you're like oh it's just it's working now. yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. A quick interlude about one of the companies supporting this podcast. Ed, I think we can both agree that the best tasting songs are those that happen naturally. That's true. Wait, you can't really taste a song, though. That part's not... That's also true of the food we choose to consume, which is why our favorite new artist on the healthy protein charts is ButcherBox. 100% grass-fed beef delivered on dry ice to your door anywhere in the lower 48. So, does that make Alaska like the upper... Yeah, just open the box. If you're into more genres than just beef, ButcherBox has you covered. They also deliver Alaskan wild sockeye salmon, free-range organic chicken... Wow, there's gotta be like 11 pounds of meat in here. Heritage breed pork and special bacon. Special bacon? Special, because it's free. Use code SONGDIVERS at checkout to get $20 off and free bacon in your first ButcherBox. And... Shipping's free, too. Special bacon and special shipping. That's special. Now, can you grill as well as you can play guitar? Visit ButcherBox.com to order. You've had some advantages mm-hmm. of being around Steve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, being around your Uncle Brian Merrill. Yeah. We did, I don't think we mentioned. He also mm-hmm. is a studio rat, mm-hmm. and he's amassed, you know, 
professional quality gear. Like if you, you just let me use it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like uh, we went through a phase where we were always looking for these like crazy synth sounds and stuff because we thought we wanted to like. Oh, that was a long. We, we would have was... conversations where Danny'd be like, "Dude, you can take eight oh eights and a tuba and put it together," and like yeah. nobody's ever done that before. And we were always we were always trying these like weird, just like you know. We wanted like, to sound like I feel like we had to go. Never been heard we had to go around the sun until we back got yeah. back to Steve's first point. Yeah. And just lay down a good bass, <laughs> EQ it, and compress it. And that's all we wanted. Yeah, now yeah. we don't think at all about like it has to sound cutting edge. No. Like we just want to make music that we like listening to. Yeah. Which took, you know, as we said, eight years to get to that point. Because yeah. we always were like, dude, we need to change the world with yeah. this song. Like yeah. it doesn't matter at all. We what? Don't. I get it. I mean, I, I talked about with, with Ronnie Elliott on the last one, it, it, this idea of, you know, what would it have been like to have never heard anything like Zeppelin, you right. know, and then hear it for the first time? And again, there was the first time we heard that, but it was in the context of everything else that existed, yeah. you yeah. know? And so, yeah, you all of a sudden, it becomes really daunting when you start to both appreciate it because you've gotten to a certain level of musicianship. Um, and then you realize like, there's, I'm never going to be as good as this thing I like, or everything's been done at this point. Why am I even bothering? You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and that's a hard thing to get through. And all of a sudden you're like, well, like businesses, you know, I can do something really well. Like, doesn't mean it can, has to be the only one. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I think the thing really to think about is like, you know, you can make something, you can make a song sound like anything, but when you first write it, you kind of have an idea of what it should be. And the, the more to that you can make it, usually the better. Mm-hmm. You know, and now we've gotten to the point doing it so long that we know how to get the sound that we hear. So. Right. That's right. what took forever to do. That's what took forever. Yeah. We always- What's the, uh, so uh, as far as writing, do you guys sit down and write together or usually not no we bring in songs to each other yeah, yeah. pretty much yeah we, we just yeah. we we start title first yeah okay that's, that's we have yeah. a very well, at least i do i have mm. a very specific do you have a notebook with titles i, I use it on my phone okay. we, we, we should start that. a uh like a chart for each guest yeah whether you're because we, we would i would have been like music first lyrics first i would have mm. never even thought title first oh mm. but, title first comes out whole and completely different yeah, yeah. That's, it does yeah that's leading the pack right now is title first of our so what guests. we do yeah. is i don't know if you do this but um i do this danny i do i do <laughs> now you can make up anything <laughs> so yeah. what we do yeah is we open our ass <laughs> i'd like to light a diaper on fire yeah. we stick yeah. a candle in it yeah, yeah no we like to singe our butt on a bunsen burner and then yeah. we start mm. yeah no i i look at a title and you think of a melody that would fit that title. Mm-hmm. So you just like sing. This is the first thing that comes to mind. Sing that title. It's got to be a good title, though. It's got to be. It's got to be a title that has like something to it. It's mm-hmm. got to have like, like a perspective. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like we have a song, "Laundry," mm-hmm. and it's about, um, you know, you're with like a girl and she moves out, and then you have to do your own laundry. Mm-hmm. And it's, so but even even deeper than that, what's the metaphor? You know. So it's kind of like a, <laughs> that's it. It's sort of like a feminist, like a pro-feminism kind of a. It, yeah, I don't yeah. even know. Timely. It's, timely. it's more of a meninist. Actually. Yeah, I think it's ant. <laughs> it's not even. It's very topical. <laughs> but yeah, it's got to have like a a thing to it. It's got to have somewhere to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you just sing that, and then finish the phrase of whatever that melody would be, and then you got the chorus. And then you know you just do the basic shit, and you go to like the relative minor for the verse or whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know. It writes itself. Are you guys worried about being too? 
Can you guys worried re- about <laughs> Can we redo this entire interview and do it in New York accents? It writes itself. Hey, I'm, I'm writing here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. You go to the relative minor, whatever. You put on Steely Dan, you sing yeah. over the instrumental passages. You got a hit. So are you worried? Are you worried about being too formulaic then? No, I like formulas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a reason for them. Yeah. You know, like the, yeah. the common... I hate when people do like just crazy shit like, you know changing time signatures just because of it like I just... yeah i don't i don't like uh whenever i've tried to do music first i always end up making it way too complicated yeah you know it'll be such like a like the the way i voice the chords or something there's already such a strong implied melody that when i try and sing something or write something to that it's like there's no wiggle room to write a good melody hmm. you know alex i imagine you're writing on piano when yeah. you're writing yeah danny are you writing on piano in the, more, the more complicated stuff I've written has been on piano, but the the simple good ones are on guitar. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then like your topics. Yeah. So it, we should mm-hmm. talk about the fact that a you guys are in the studio not wearing turtlenecks. No. So are you guys? Do you feel? Do you, you feel uncomfortable? You have to call us out. I'm like kind this. of exposed, you know. Yeah. So I, t- I mean, talk a little bit about that. Like, what's what's the like? Why turtlenecks? Why that? That we just don't have to think about it. Yeah, it's just know. something to do. So you're just Steve Jobsing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something you know. We, we throw the turtlenecks on. The little girls go crazy. This is what's you know. It's, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've seen it. I've worried. seen yeah. it. Yeah, I've seen you guys perform. Yep. Um, it's just something quirky to do. Some of the little know. boys are going crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Don't forget they about are. the little that's boys. That's true. Yeah. So you know, and, and I, in following you guys, it's like that's great. But then it occurred to me, you so you, you played Gasparilla Music Festival. It's outside. Not not a cold day. No, we were debating whether or not to actually wear the. I was going to ask yeah. how true to the look you guys up stay. until the last yeah. second we were not going to wear them. But no. I'm glad we did because it was filmed mm-hmm. and yeah. it would we would have looked ridiculous if I we just wearing a polo out there. Yes, so. yeah. and we should save our our friends the Tampa sessions. Yes, our mm-hmm. friend friend of the podcast did a great job. They were mm-hmm. all yeah. over that stage, which was really really cool. Um, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about that set since we were at that that point? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was you guys put on a great show. How did you feel about it? Hot. Yeah. It felt it felt hot. It was a good it was a good audience. <laughs> it felt good. Yeah, there was I like the the venue. We were, we weren't sure about what it was going to sound like cuz it's kind of weird, you know. It's like the audience is up here and you're playing down here and the speakers are It's like a little coliseum. Yeah, it's a little coliseum. It was weird, but um for it pe- sounded good. Say, for people that haven't been to Gasparilla Music Fest, they've really th- three four stages set up. Yeah. yeah. Um and you guys played in the was it Furman Amphitheater, I think is what it's called. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. which is a really cool yeah. intimate but still great little space. Mm-hmm. Um, little's not the right word, but is is I mm. maybe seats what like six hundred? It's, like it's petite, something like that. Yeah, it's petite. Yeah. It is petite. Yeah, tastefully petite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys had a good. It was a good audience. Good vibe. Good energy. How much of that audience? Did, like, did you feel like all right? These are our fans. We expected this, or did you feel like you were playing to a whole new crowd? Definitely, like it was kind of mixed because there were, we'd look out and we'd see some of the younger people like like mouthing along to the lyrics of some of our songs, like mm-hmm. Break Up Haircut, which mm-hmm. we liked. But everybody, I was surprised everybody freaked out when we did Sledgehammer because they were all of that age. You know, they, they all yeah. like, there was mostly parents in the audience mm-hmm. and they, they loved it. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys covered a Prince song and then and then Sledgehammer, which was awesome. Yeah. It yeah. was really, really cool. The Prince song was definitely just for us. Nobody knows that yeah, song. Nobody but, could know yeah, that well, you know, yeah. you got to do one for you. Yeah. yeah that exactly. was a short set, so that was risky. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still a great tune, but like you mm-hmm. said, you we, know, just yeah. we just don't care. You know, we're yeah. just we're just playing just because we like it. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. If we were actually thinking about it, we shouldn't have played half of those songs, you know, especially that one. Well, they're originals. Yeah, especially those. <laughs> Can we go back to the writing for a second? Because mm-hmm, I'm thinking yeah. about we're talking about the turtlenecks and mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and and we talked about the writing process. Is mm-hmm. you know you guys are title first, yes, mm-hmm. almost always, mm-hmm. or always, 
Always um, for me. So and more recently, yeah. Your YouTube channel. There's so much creativity in the in the visuals and humor. Does that affect your writing? Does that work into the writing process, or is that like an after the? That's kind of an afterthought. We kind of is base, it, okay. base that off like, the song. Yeah. I was going to ask if YouTube kind of affects how you write your music. Like, do you think about the... Yeah, like, are you are you writing for that forum? Well, we always write with the idea in mind that um, it just should be something that we haven't quite heard before. Just some... The idea should be something that nobody else would do because it's too stupid. Well, That's... And, and the reason that happened, too, is because when we were, you know, 12, 13, we were writing such generic, nonsensical lyrics Mm-hmm. That we got so yeah. fed up with that. Because, you know, it's like, how many times do you sing about going home? How many times do you sing about, you know, just these, like, yeah. really, really, you know. And back then, we, it didn't even cliche. make sense. Yeah, we, we didn't yeah. even meet, like, you know, we wrote more what sounded good to sing versus mm-hmm. there was no Yeah, we wrote meaning consonant behind. first back then. Yeah, there was, no, <laughs> there was no meaning behind the lyrics. We got fed up with that. And then when we finally started having songs with a like, specific message and idea, we, you know, people resonate way more with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it's more interesting too. I yeah, know. I was curious because it's so visual. To from someone who's checking you out on YouTube, it seems mm-hmm. like such a fully formed package—the video mm-hmm. and the song and the, the lyric. And well, they kind of because like, they're so specific, they kind of lend themselves to visuals mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yeah, you know, they just—they're always about something quirky that we can put mm-hmm. something easy to. For anybody that hasn't seen that stuff, I mean, you guys have acting chops. Like they're—they're they're really <laughs> funny. You know, like you. You have something pretty. It's not. I wouldn't say cultivated, but like it's a practiced thing that you guys are doing that yeah, resonates. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not far off from how we just talk to each other. That's just kind of mm-hmm. we've just been doing that for ten years. So. Yeah, just stick a camera on it. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny too because the the videos are really funny, but then if you just listen to the song on its own, mm-hmm. it's catchy as hell. Like when I when I was doing the you know research, let's call it research for the <laughs> <laughs> for the. Uh, for this, I ended up going back and listening to Breakup Haircut like six times. I'm like, this is just super catchy. Like, you know, it, but so I think we should talk a little bit because you guys are doing this really well right now, which I'm sure you're aware of. I mean, some of your videos have 200 plus thousand views on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're coming up on, I think you're just coming up on 20,000 followers mm-hmm. on your page. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like I saw when I was going and checking things out, it was like, you should check this out. Questlove likes this page. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. that happened, are there other people following you that you're like, holy smokes, like, we're getting people's attention pretty much just uh when we went to orlando and met quest love and he he reposted because we we like stalked him pretty much Mm -hmm. we we, we, like waited till he like walked in the back and we uh we had acoustic guitar and a melodica and we played this one really obscure print song that we knew that he'd like super nerdy it was it was really nerdy but he ended up uh he whipped out his phone and filmed it and posted it on his instagram so we got a lot of we had like i think like a couple hundred followers at that point so we got a lot of his fans following us and that was kind of the that was kind of the point kind that he jumped off us. to kind of get more followers. So were you doing the live like because it was like every Thursday right now you guys are doing live stuff? Yeah, we kind we kind of quit, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be back though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, don't let me hold you to anything. Yeah. But it, but it, but there's a you know there's a real cadence to it you know. Yeah. And um, I was listening to an interview on um, the one that comes on after Fresh Air with the, it's on the CBC. You know what I'm talking about. I'll have to go back. We'll we'll dub in the name of the show. It was uh, they were interviewing the guy that used to run the rap caviar playlist at Spotify, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and he just got picked up by YouTube uh, within the last year, and he's like in charge of artist development. You know, actually developing mm-hmm. artists through that. And he talked about you could be a great songwriter and you could be a good performer, and it has to be so much more now if you really want to do it because yeah, it's the they can. There's so many people doing it. If you're already the full package, that's what somebody 
is now looking for it, you know? And then also there's a lot of musicians too that's like, they don't really even want to be signed. They're they're mm-hmm. recording on their mm-hmm. own. They don't need money for production. They don't need a producer because they've got it figured out. They've spent the 10,000 hours or four years. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's a really interesting time in music and part of what this podcast is really focused on is like, what do you guys want to do that? How do you see it being successful? Where do you guys go next? What do you, like, what do you want to do with this? Well, at this point, we've been doing, um, you know, those short little Instagram videos with the songs and just trying to really... Uh, we've been marketing those. We've been doing Instagram advertisements and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it seems to be working because we've we've gotten a lot of fans, like, you know, way more than we ever would have if we just, you know, just, uh, I guess, did covers and didn't promote it and stuff like that. So we've been promoting it. We've we found that, I think we've found our tribe, so to speak. We've kind of, <laughs> we've kind of, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but that's interesting, too, because, you know, so, so for, you know, when I'm not doing music, I mm-hmm. work in, in marketing and sponsorship sales. And finding that marketing nuance is really really tough because similar to recording it's easy to say great just put some money behind it and throw an ad on facebook or instagram mm-hmm. it only works if the content's good same yeah, thing in laying down a good track and you guys have stumbled upon something that people are really enjoying and i i found myself doing it too i'm like you guys got to check this out this is you know that's texting awesome. it out to my friends because it's it's the music's really good so i knew they'd enjoy that but it's just funny like you guys are again it's whether it's acting chops or whatever like it's mm-hmm. good it's good so it's sticky you yeah know? we try to make everything we post like just, just like, it's always fun to us at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if we if we don't have fun doing it or we don't laugh at it, we don't post it. So we just, I think people can, you know, kind of feel that. We've got to both agree on it. Too. Yeah, yeah. We went through a period where I was doing most of the posting, and then we got in a fight about that because yeah. you know people like my captions way better than his captions, and I do it. personally like your captions yeah. better. <laughs> I hate captions in general. I, I just I'm I know. totally against them. I know, but yeah, we we just pretty much the the secret there is we just did uh, when we when we did the advertisement we did a hundred percent female audience because we knew all the all the dudes would be like you guys suck man you daddy yeah we just hate men in general (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're very against men in this band yeah Yeah. well I was gonna say too that seeing a lot of the reposting that you guys do is really fun I mean you legit cultivated a Instagram audience how much have you seen that transfer to plays on spotify and people Quite coming to shows yeah, it, yeah it's been the most on spotify yeah hundreds of thousands of streams yeah. on there yeah we've got i think uh, our most streamed is like two thirty two hundred thirty thousand on breakup haircut or something really good yeah and now breakup haircut by alex and danny <laughs> danny and break up haircut, we'll get into that we'll okay. get into that yeah we'll f- up greg in a second <laughs> yeah <laughs> break up Yeah. The Dawn Divers posted us in a comment. Nice. Ready? Mm-hmm. Um. Oh. Trim for Kim and a 
you're short for Courtney Break up with me, that's alright I'll just cut my hands my head Break up with me, it's all, and it's all good There's a barber in my neighborhood that we don't spend any money on yeah. anything except promotion yeah that's usually the opposite of what happens we did and that yeah, was we did a video a while ago when we were sound parlor called can he sing like me it's on youtube stuff oh, I've, I've mm-hmm. seen it. and uh we spent a lot of money making that and then we put it out it just kind of fell flat because it was like there's nowhere to go like yeah. we didn't have a marketing you plan still gotta put it in front of people so totally but is that picking up now though because that video looks so to me, it looks so pro. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For what it is. I mean, not mm-hmm. pro, like super polished. It's kind yeah. of yeah, kind of goofy. Are, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the big, <laughs> the, to me, the really strong thing about that video that sets it apart from your other ones is Danny's facial hair. Yeah, so, that, that is you know. that is a, a and talking point. We've had we should a lot bring of requests to bring was it back. Was that planned? Or was that, that was just... just that was just a, a snapshot of, in time. A part of the era, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was just yep. what was happening in 2014. I don't. Or I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, you oh, must have yeah. missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay, so it shows here. You said you guys aren't actually playing out that much. When you do play mm-hmm. out, are you are you seeing an older crowd? Are you seeing a mix? Are you seeing, like, are people coming up to me like, yeah, I found you on Instagram, and that's how I saw you, and I want to come out and see you play? I don't like, think we've been you... able to uh, test it yet. Yeah, we most, haven't fully tested it. Most of our listeners are not from this area. Right. Like, mm-hmm. We have the least amount of fans in St. Pete. <laughs> I was going to ask if you think about, have you talked about trying to put a, together a, a tour, like a mini tour? Oh, yeah, we're, yeah we're trying. Yeah, we've yeah. talked yeah. about it. We're trying to figure out the, the way that makes the most sense. Could Natalie and Natalie and Sebastian are on board? With oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. would love okay. to, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, so but, can I, you guys are 22, you said. Yeah. So are you guys in school? Are you working? Like, because this is an interesting piece of, of that whole thing about touring, because if mm-hmm. you have a job, you know, you, it's tough to leave that to go on tour for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. I was doing the Mira program over at SPC, the music industry mm-hmm. recording arts thing. Yep. And I, I dropped out of that, and I was just doing, pursuing a regular AA degree. And um, I was doing that for a while, and then a summer break hit, and then all this started happening, and I was like, screw that, man. I don't want to go back. I don't want to do that. And we signed with a new manager, so we've, we've pretty much just been uh, full-time just recording, yeah, making videos. this is all I do, too. Yeah. That's and then great. on the weekends, I gig, but this, this is it. So I, I should ask, too, are you guys commercializing your Instagram page? Because I don't see you guys doing ads or anything like that yet. It's strictly just to push your band right now. Yeah. 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 Not There's yet. There's been no income at all. Believe me. <laughs> it's all an out- outcome. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, again, bringing into the era that Ren and Ed and I talk about this a lot too. Um, the idea of do you go on tour now? Like, is yeah. that what bands do now? Yeah. You could just be writing, and if enough people see it, enough people see it on YouTube, like you could have enough people listening to your stuff, and you know it be out there and still be popular and be on the radio without ever having to get up and leave. I mean, the Lumineers oh, yeah. did yeah. that basically. Yeah. They had a song take off, and they talk about that where it's like, all of a sudden we're playing sold out stadiums. We didn't have to do the three four years yeah. of trucking around playing for three people. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. so the world's changing so much yeah. with media. Do you want to be on tour? Like, is that does that probably sound not only when, only when it makes sense? Yeah, not at this point. We, we want to go when there's an actual. Yeah, we'd, we'd be spending a lot more money than we make if we went right now. Yeah, and um, yeah, we, we've had a lot more success when we focus on less shows and more content. Because uh, you know, obviously, like if you're if you're playing a show, you're only in that one place. But if you post a video, you reach all these different people. So we've just had a lot more success just uh, trying to do you know fuse comedy with our original tunes and uh, advertising that are, are you worried about not being taken seriously as musicians and more just like not weird owls but mm. <laughs> i just don't really care i, th- I think <laughs> i i don't think there's a to me it's not like a difference it's all just entertainment you know what i mean mm. it's like i'm not a, i'm not leonard cohen i'm not like a serious you know like mm. i want to be taken you know wearing like a tweed suit and shit I, that doesn't seem i just want everything we do to be you know kind of fresh and entertaining and you know whatever tone it takes it usually is kind of funny but yeah you know yeah we're not too worried about it because people seem to it seems to work you know people seem to realize that we take the music really seriously and then there also there's also the comedy aspect of us the musicians understand what goes into it totally you know? oh without question yeah, yeah i mean that's what you guys are saying two, yeah. two layers to it you know? <laughs> yeah i mean uh in terms of you said we've had more success how are you guys measuring success strictly on just how many people are we reaching with this yeah, just uh, streams and uh, follows, pretty much. Okay. And a lot of just interaction. There's like yeah. a lot of like girls singing it and posting videos of them doing covers of the songs. Like, yeah. That's been crazy. Yeah, people have never listened in this amount before. No, no that, that is amazing. Because yeah. I don't know how much of that you've seen. And I've showed you a little oh, bit. But yeah. of, of people reposting that stuff. And it's mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, Springsteen did a rare interview, but he did like a full week on Jimmy Fallon. This was like one or two years ago. 
But he talked about, you know, before any social media, they did a show. He came out and the whole audience was already singing the song. And he's like, it was so incredible. Then they went to the next town. Again, no social media, no nothing. And the crowd did it again. And it just this idea that music gets people to respond in that way, you know. And now that we have this forum of, of Instagram and people doing it on a whim. They're not even at a show with you guys. You're just right, doing something. Yeah. They're so moved by it that they turn around and push mm-hmm. it back out. Did, I mean, that's got to be a really gratifying Did feeling. I see a couple of women do, like, recreate the turtlenecks in the tennis racket? Yes. Like, do oh, do you yeah. know who those people? No, they just, I'm, like... They live in Japan. Some girl lives in Japan, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah it's that crazy. Was awesome. So, in terms of what you guys want to do, accomplish over the next year, five years, what, do you, what are you guys hoping to get done, like, short-term? And then where do you, where do you want to end up right now, based on what you, at least what you know right now? Because that could change. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to keep doing this at a bigger and bigger level. I mean, I I feel like amazed that we've even come this far. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been doing this for 10 years. Nobody's given two shits. You know? Until like, the last couple of months. Until the last couple of months. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people never get to this point. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's great. I just want to keep keep doing it. Yeah. Just to be able to tour and uh, just build up our audience. Want to get a bigger uh, YouTube following and stuff like that. and. So do you have building uh, the story? Are there some songs in the bag or in the can, so to speak? That mm-hmm. you and do you have plans to like turn them into videos? And yeah, what mm-hmm. is that coming up? Quick yeah, here. Or? Um, yeah, at this point we've only, we've only been doing like minute long music videos, so we want to do some full length stuff. Mm-hmm. So on, uh, I think Saturday, right? Yeah, we're filming our first music video. Our full length music video. So we're going to put that out and do another promotion on Instagram and kind of kind of repeat that. All the songs that we have out need videos. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to do some full-length videos and uh, see how the advertisements go. Yeah, right now we're going back to our catalog and yeah. making full music videos. And while we're doing that, we're recording the next stuff. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's smart, too, because, you know, that is a big thing with social media content is you've got to have it, you yeah. know, yeah. especially when it's something that is consumed audibly and Instagram is so visual, mm-hmm. you know, you got to really get creative. So it's it's smart the way you guys are doing that where you're, you're chopping these things up because even a full song is, what, four minutes? You know, if yeah. it's if it's that long, mm-hmm. and you got to find ways to keep that fresh and new and choppy, and you know, and and I feel like Tom Hanks is like, give me something snappy, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> but that's true. It's got to be something that's yeah. that's new because people are flipping through their feed. Oh yeah, the, the yeah. attention span of people now is under seven seconds on average. So, so yeah, kudos to you guys. You're doing a really good job, and uh, and I'm really enjoying it personally. So. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're we're trying to figure out the best way to make these songs last. Because like once you put out a song, you know, like people listen to it a couple of days and it's like on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like you gotta you gotta do a live version of it. You gotta do a, a post a video of you bumping it in the studio, and you gotta do a comedic version of it. You gotta just like do whatever you can to kind of make the lifespan of a song longer. Because we we've got so many that we just want to blow through them and just put them out. But the more singles we put out, I feel I feel like the more it kind of devalues the worth of it it's like ah, another dna single well and we've been kind of the videos we've been doing have been kind of belittling them like yeah just like a minute little clips you kind of think of it like that just on instagram oh it's a funny little clip but like if it had a real full music video you it's it makes it more of a thing it adds weight to it we're trying to elevate our you know look at the moment yeah trying to make (laughs) (laughs) just a half neck yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's funny um where do you want people to go here and see you guys um, definitely stay tuned on Instagram yeah. and Spotify. We got some more music coming out soon, and uh, we got the video coming out soon, probably in like uh, the next two weeks or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we do we have any shows though? I don't think we have. I don't think we have any shows booked. Yeah. What's the next song you have? That what's the video gonna be? It's gonna be for four 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 four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. It's a yeah. it's a period piece. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all I can say. <laughs> 
soul things. Yeah, after, after, after the podcast, we <laughs> you guys are a period. Yeah, yeah, true. Well, fellas, thanks for doing it. We yeah. appreciate it. We'll yeah. uh, we'll definitely try and have you back as you start putting more stuff on. If you'll come back, I understand Absolutely. it can be really offensive. Yeah. yeah, we do love you guys. <laughs> I know sometimes you can't tell from the tone of my. It's, been, it's, it's my been face flicking us off the entire. Yeah. Interview. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's generational. Yeah, yeah, we understand that. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing it, guys, and uh, we love you, and we'll uh, we'll look for that video coming out here soon. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, see you, fellas. listening to song divers thank you for supporting us and our sponsors and all the great independent music makers out there trying to make their way in the music business these days songs we heard in this episode were friends kiss 2 breakup haircut and 4-4 all written by danny scordato and alex merrill we also heard laundry written by danny scordato alex merrill and harry rye 4-4 and Laundry are from Danny and Alex's Grand Slam Thank You Ma'am EP. And Friends Kiss 2 and Breakup Haircut are available as singles. Get more of these two as quickly as possible. Hear their record and singles on Spotify and indulge like Questlove and their Instagram account. They are at Danny and Alex. You'll see their telltale turtlenecks and the smugness in their profile image. Oh, and that CBC show I referenced from NPR, Q. You're listening to Dong Divers Radio. <laughs> no, no, no. Song, song it's, Divers. It's song not. It's, song yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. People get that wrong a lot, actually. You're listening mm. to Dog Divers Radio. <laughs> For the, the pet fans out there. I'd listen to that. <laughs> Song Divers is a production of Ybor City Records and recorded in the historic Kenwood district of St. Petersburg, Florida.